Welcome to That Foreign Feeling, a podcast that creates space for conversations surrounding mental health, grief, and loss. When you may not know what you are feeling exactly, but you know something is different. You may not be able to explain it or understand it. All of these feelings are what we call That Foreign Feeling. All right, welcome back. We have myself, Stephanie, and Grace today as hosts with a very special guest, Grace's grandma, Lynn. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. So I invited my grandma today um, because she's witnessed a lot of grief and loss within her own life and her work life. Um, So I invited her to touch on mental health within um, a congregation, self-care for pastors while dealing with the grief of others. Um, So, Grandma, did you just want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. Well, I started out um, living on a farm where there was a lot of death, you know, on a farm, whether it be with calves or cats or whatever. And then I went into nursing school, went to Bellin. And so I've been a nurse for a very long time. I worked at a foundry with probably almost a thousand men. Well, there were some women, but there was a lot of men. And there was some accidents that we had at the foundry that were that were hard. And then I went into, um, I think I worked, first of all, my first job was the emergency room. I should have backed up and done that. So there was a lot of experiences that I had. Um, I eventually became a pastor as a second career, which was the most rewarding one that I ever, ever had. Um, So we did see a lot of death. We saw a lot of sadness. Um, The congregation that I'm in, it was a small, it's a small congregation. So it's people that I had known for a long time because it was in my home church. And so while I was here, we had a lot of loss of members and that was hard because you knew them even growing up. So they were more friends than, you know, people that sit in the congregation and you don't really know about them. So my dad died. That was really hard. And Grace, when she introduced this, brought me back to a lot of feelings that happened when my dad died suddenly. And I had to relive that and take a look at exactly where I was in that position at that time in my life. And then when her dad, Mike died, our son, the difference between when my dad died, the years and when Mike died and how I dealt with it was completely different. So I'm going to keep going. Well, I, that sounds good. That's okay. a good background. So we can go right into um, some of our questions. Um, so when was the first time that you remember experiencing that foreign feeling, whether it ended up being anxiety, depression, grief? Do you remember when it was and how you felt? Yeah, I, you know, my, I had grandmothers that passed that I was close to, but they were older. But when my dad died, even though he was 80, I thought he was going to live to at least 90. And so it was sudden. He had a pulmonary embolism. And I remember going to the emergency room and realizing, I know this is crazy, but realizing for the very first time that death is so final, you know, there isn't any coming back. Um, I had a hard time with 
with my dad dying. Um, being on a farm, there was only my sister and I, so I was close to my dad, and he was a wonderful person. Um, great with the kids. In fact, um, one of one of Grace's sisters, Nora, is named after him. Norm. Mm-hmm. His name was Norman, and um, so, and Mike was, you know, really close with him also. So it was. I had a hard time. And I think when I look back, I probably was in depression and didn't realize it. Certainly anxiety. Uh, I had my mom to take care of after that. So I don't think I really ever dealt with it, probably until Grace brought this up. And I look back and realize Mm -hmm. I was probably not in a real good place at that time. So, and then when Mike passed, I had gone into my pastoral care and things. And so I understood it so much better. Mm-hmm. And there's a verse that always says, um, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I never understood it to be life. I don't know why I never caught on that until Mike passed. You know, and we had 45 mm-hmm. years with him. That was a gift. People don't right. always have that, but we did. Had three right. wonderful grandchildren. And so anyway. So yeah, I I'm probably dwelling on this a little bit too much, but it was a hard, it was a hard time when my dad died, and that is the first time that I really felt anxiety and grief as I did. Yeah, I not when you you talk about your dad dying and you said, um, I didn't really you know you didn't really think about it till now. Well, then now you made me think of something that I didn't think about till now where I were about it being final when I was young and my mom's mom uh, died and it was sudden and I was little, but I remember all, I remember change. Now I look back and like, I had a really hard time with that. And I wouldn't go into a church. Um, I didn't want to go to funerals and I just struggled with stuff. And uh, so I was like, oh, maybe that's, I don't know. Was that the first time that I, felt that depression and but you know you're little so uh, so I wonder for everybody is there that one moment even for that where to protect yourself you might not notice for a long time that it doesn't sink in that it's final right and stuff but I feel like that's another reason why it is so hard for people like some people who might see that right away that it is final like that's why some people might take it so hard is because they know that and that's scary you know because you mm-hmm. never see him again i don't talk to him again but some people some people might take comfort in it i don't know i don't it's know a tricky subject <laughs> it is a tricky subject and each person is going to handle it a different way and i also feel how they handle it is where they are in their experience with god and how they their faith you know, brings them mm-hmm. into what is happening. Yes, it, it's hard. Um, I learned a lot. I, you know, at Mike's funeral, there was, I don't know how many people came to the wake. It was, it was a long line and it lasted a long time. <laughs> and then never realizing all the things that he did for so many people. He was just this guy. He was our son. And, you know, you don't realize the impact that he made on so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing we have to take a look at when somebody does pass to really 
talk with the families and find out, you know, just what was going on. What, who was this real person? Right. And that's what mm -hmm. I always try when I do funerals to sit down with a family once, twice, and find out really about the person that I'm officiating the funeral for and, and bring that to light, all the good points of that individual. So mm -hmm. you probably learn more on the day, the day of the wake or, and the funeral too, because more people you haven't talked to come up and right. are talking about, about them too. Right. So that's, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Well, you talked about um, or mentioned that you knew a lot of people in your church where you became a pastor because it's such a small church or community. So when people started passing away, not only I'm assuming like you were dealing with mourning the loss, but then had to support others at the same time and were kind of positioned as a leader to lead them through their grief. So what's something that helped you personally, personally care for your mental health during those times or any time? Praying to God. Mm -hmm. God is very, um, very active in my life. Um, he always has been from little on, but certainly more so as I learned to pastor other people. Now in my, when I worked in occupational health, people would come to me, individuals would come to me, employees. And so I did a lot of pastoring actually there already. I worked for Bellin and had different clients I would go to. And I was very fortunate that they allowed me to talk to individuals that would come because they come and talk to the nurse because they know it's not going anywhere. That person, you know, there's confidentiality. And they would allow, nobody ever said anything. Because I would always ask if they'd gone to their, their pastor, their priest, you know, their minister, whomever with their situations. And a lot of them didn't. and didn't think of to do that. So having God in my life really, really has made a huge, huge difference. Because mm -hmm. Grace and I talked last night, you know, we're only here for just a blink of an eye you know, our eternity is, is with God. So we just need to do the best we can here on earth. That's why he puts us here. So now I'm giving you a little pastoring. I don't mean to do that, but oh, do it. I like it, <laughs> but we are here to be care, care keepers of his world and do the best we can. And not only of the world, but of our friends, our family, that we can, we can do the best that we can. And believe me, I would love to think that our family runs smooth. It, it doesn't. I mean, there was when, when Mike passed, there was, it, it was a contentious time. And, um, but very fortunately, I did not lose Kate and her girls. And, um, but anyway, we're slowly healing from that too. And, and that happens in families when there's a death and there's some division. And people, it's hard to get through all of that because that's a that's a hard time. Everybody's grieving and there's things to be done and things are said. And so mm -hmm. it's hard. Right, Grace? Yeah. Well, and uh, holiday is coming up tomorrow, Thanksgiving. So that makes me think of every a lot of families gather. And I would have to say, 
that most, if not all, probably do have relational tension there and stuff. But from your point of view, because you were kind of touching on that, do you have pastoral advice for those going into the holidays anxious because of different family dynamics and being in different journeys um, or different parts of journeys with God where maybe like if you, if I backtrack to you saying that you pray, that's how, that's what you do. That's what helps you and stuff to God. I'm sure there's other people who would be like, well, what does that mean? I mean, I love God pray. I write a lot to him because that's how it makes sense to me and stuff, uh, journaling it out. And so I get it, but I'm sure you get where people are like, all right, what do you mean? Pray. What does that do? What is, why does that help? Praying is, um, it doesn't have to be formal. It can just be being in a room. It could just be, um, maybe outside you've gone for a walk and just saying, dear God, I really need your help in this situation and explain that to God. I mean, he already knows, but he likes that interaction between you and him. He likes that. And I guess I've asked God for help. I've asked, um, I was telling uh, Grace that we got old. Otis was Mike's dog. And so when Mike died, we got Otis and I would take <laughs> Otis for a walk and I'd be in the woods and I'd say, okay, Mike, my guardian angel, God, I just need help with this situation. And sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't, but praying doesn't have to be formal. It can be, it's like a discussion with God, you know, um, it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be a thee and a thou and a I praise you and anything else. It's God just wants, he wants communication from all of us. He doesn't care that we, you know, you have the formal prayers in church. He doesn't care that you're, that you're praying that way. He just wants that. And I think that helps. I believe it helps me. So before there's any situations. Now, we lost a lot when Mike passed because Mike would make sure the girls were would be here on Thanksgiving or Easter, whatever holiday he had. So we lost that. Um, it's great that they're here. They're here now. I mean, so we'll take, we take everything. I take everything that we can get, you know, with that relationship with them. So, and I'm sure families will feel that this holiday, there's going to be somebody missing and um, that chair is going to be empty. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a hard time for so many, but praying. And it doesn't be a short little prayer. Dear God, just help me through this. Right. And, you know, we think about therapy. You go tell a stranger and ask them for advice. But, I mean, they're trained. That's good and stuff. But who knows us best? It's God. And I know we don't maybe physically hear a voice sometimes. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But in my experience, I'm like, he'll answer me if if I'm listening, if I want an answer, and it might come through a book, it might come through my kids, it might come through the next song on the radio. And I'm like, how did he do that? Like, and those are the words that I needed to hear. And that's why um, 
it's worth it. And if you want to hear it, I think you'll hear them say something back. You make you make a really good point. Uh, I had a Bible study last year here, and, and we talked about prayer. And I said, "You're gonna." He talks to you. You just have to be really alert. He's not going to talk like we're talking now, but all of a sudden there's going to be something that comes into your mind, and that's God. You know, mm-hmm. he he does really talk to you, but you have to be alert to. And like you said, it could be a book, it could be a song, it could be a aha moment. I'm just amazed at how God works in our lives. I, he works mm-hmm. all the time, you know, helping to mm-hmm. make our lives, our lives better, simpler. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. We're so grateful and excited to be able to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. I'd been going through a season where I knew I needed to get back into therapy and had to seek out a new therapist. I've only ever gone to in-person therapy, but as it turned out, no one was taking new clients and waiting lists weren't being offered. BetterHelp was recommended to me by my sister, and I was very hesitant to try out an online therapy service. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. I took what felt like a leap of faith, and it was one of the best leaps I've ever taken. I was matched quickly based on my preferences and the accessibility, the professionalism, the options, all exceeded my expectations. It's so convenient. You can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, live chat, phone, or video call. There are days where I can't do live video because my girls are up and starting their homeschool day. So instead of rescheduling my much-needed session or putting off school, I just opt for a live chat. I can see what my therapist is typing and get more in versus waiting blindly for the next message. I absolutely love it. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get you started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions or chats when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. BetterHelp is going to help those of you who may be stuck in a situation like mine, ready for therapy, but no luck finding someone or someone soon enough. A big thank you to our sponsor who's letting you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com backslash that foreign feeling. That's betterhelp.com slash that foreign feeling for i have an example and this morning i went and worked out at 5 30 so i had to drive into town and i was thinking about some anxiety in a relationship and i was like oh i don't want to feel that way i do how do i get over that and and the relationship wasn't always close so i thought back to when i wish it was closer i'm like maybe god was protecting so maybe if somebody isn't at Thanksgiving, maybe he's protecting us for something that could could be worse. And then I thought, but he's not protecting me now. And I'm struggling with these feelings. I'm like, well, he must know that 
we, I can work something out with him. There's something because he's not, not that he's not protecting me now, but maybe he wants to use me now. And before that wasn't an option, maybe when I was younger and I hadn't gotten to where I was today. So just having hope in that the way things are, aren't final. Right. And the relationships, the status, some he's working behind the scenes and it doesn't have to make sense. And it's probably not going to make sense, but holding hope in that face in that maybe. And I thought that when Mike died so suddenly and there wasn't any answers, I mean, his autopsy was Mm -hmm. negative for everything. And I thought, who knows what was in the future for Mike that God was protecting Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. You know, that gave me, that gave me comfort. It gave me closure. A lot of people said, well, wouldn't you want to find out? I said, no, Mm -mm. I'm also a nurse. Please understand that. I would have felt terrible if there was something would have showed up that I should have caught. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Grace was a great protector of her father. Really? (laughs) Somebody had to keep him in line. Yeah. Yeah, The twins are too young. So. Right. Correct. So I, I don't mean to dwell so much on God, but he really is the cornerstone of our, of our lives. And you're absolutely right. He will, he'll take us through whatever, but he'll be there for us. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to switch it up, Grandma. Okay. Um, so where (laughs) support most needed when you help someone through loss and grief, where do you think someone would need the most support? It depends on how they're dealing with the loss and and grief. I certainly do. um, If they're having really a lot of trouble getting through it, I do recommend that they, you know, find a counselor, you know, if they can't find the comfort that, that they're looking at, Mm -hmm. you know, dealing with me, I certainly do suggest they, they move on, you know, to a counselor that somebody that, as you said, that is trained, you know, that can pull out, pull out from them what needs to be pulled out. Well, this also brings up another question that like I've realized from like my funerals that I've been to, they do like certain things throughout funerals to like help with people. Um, like, what is it? Like their grief or mm-hmm. like there's things that happen like at the end when they like have mm-hmm. the family like walk the casket mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Like, why do they do that stuff? Do they think like, is it scientifically proven that it helps people? Or like, why? I think it does help people say a final goodbye. Hmm. You know, it's almost like um, like a closure. Yeah, like it's supposed to bring people closure. Well, it it, it helps to some people saying yeah. that. Um, look at your experience. Yeah, you. I did not like that part. I know, I know. <laughs> it was very hard for Grace to. Well, cause like it works for some people, but then like the, some people that it doesn't help, it like sometimes can make it worse. It's so, like, for mm-hmm. me, it's like, would it be more beneficial to families to like talk about that stuff? Cause like when we were planning, like my dad's funeral, like they don't, you know, tell you that it just like, it just happens. Like at the end of the funeral, I'm like, okay, we're getting up and we're like following it out there. Like, what are we doing? Whereas like that stuff isn't like talked about. And if it was, maybe I just wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of times before you have a funeral, you gather with the family, the, the pastor does in a room, and you say prayers and, and you talk. 
to me, that's really beneficial also. Mm-hmm. We did not do that. I was going to say, I don't remember that. We didn't do that. And I normally always did that. So, um, and then at that time, a lot of times they'll walk. At that time, the the um, coffin is closed, mm-hmm. you know, so people don't have to see that procedure going on in the family. Right. So, and when you come back, I very it wasn't too often that you walked past the casket at the end. We usually did it in the beginning, right. more so. Well, that makes sense. So, but yeah, and do you think that with I know, I had to serve at the altar then for my grandma, and I felt I can't cry. I'm up here in front of everybody. It m- meant a lot to my mom and stuff. But really, maybe it is. You think um, me as a mom now uh, experience this like kids maybe don't understand but I'm like you guys understand a lot of things so I would talk to them about everything but maybe even when it comes you said you do talk about it and you get people together and so maybe that communication is just something that really has to happen and if it's not going to happen with like the pastor because it is such a kids don't know what the word vulnerable means probably at a young age. And that's a vulnerable moment because you're all eyes are on me. People are coming up to you, grace and stuff. So it's not as if you can't put a word to that foreign feeling. How do you, how do you feel better about it? But that communication is, that's key. I don't know where I'm going with this and stuff, but I was like, Oh, I kind of felt, felt that a little bit. Yeah. When my mother died, um, she was really close to the twins would come up in Grace. And, but Grace was a little bit older. And when my mother died, and we were talking about this last night, actually, it, the twins did pictures and they did a letter to my mother. So they would put that. We had this, we have this wonderful um, funeral director here. And they put it in the coffin, you know, to be with her. And they sat and they cried. They said, you know, who's going to make our mittens now like, that Oma's gone? You know, so that's a whole nother level that I guess I never thought to talk to them about when my mother passed, mm-hmm. you know, that they would have those those feelings. And then talking to our daughter, Michelle, she remembers when my husband's mother passed and she had this unbearable grief. She cried through the whole service you know, and, and the twins, but they had, mm-hmm. you know, they had Grace, they had a, their dad and, but it was, the sobbing was, and I never thought to talk, I never thought to talk to them. And I think that's what's so important. Can I add one more thing? When yeah, my, my grandma, we called her Oma. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah the one I'm talking about. Yeah. German. Um, when Mike was, I'm going to say about seven years old, um, my husband's parents had celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary in the fall. A lot of people, a big celebration. And then when his dad died, of course, it's a funeral. There's more people and um, a lot of things going on. And Mike would run up to the coffin and he'd run away and he'd go back and he'd look again at him. And and the funeral director had talked to him. The minister had talked to him about death because he was really close 
um, we lived on a farm and grandpa was always out at the farm every day. And so they were close. And I would say about three weeks later, Mike came to me very angry. And he said, you never told me that grandpa was never coming back. I never thought, I never thought to sit down and talk to him about death. You know, we, we were on a farm. So yes, there was, you would see death maybe with a calf that didn't make it and things like that. But he was so angry at that. And I, I learned from that situation. Apparently mm -hmm. I didn't learn good enough to talk to the twins about Oma passing, but you know, I, I think that's, well, I, go ahead. You, you spent your, you know, most of your life with your dad. So I don't think it's naturally going to, cause you have all of these memories to hold onto. Um, so I, I look, I talk to my girls about the babies we lost all the time, okay. but that's because I didn't get any time with them. So I need to create and want to create those memories and them talk because they don't know. So that's the, I feel like that's the only reason I really, you know, they have a good relationship because I know they didn't know them, but you knew he, he knew him. So it, it's, it's different. Not gonna, yeah, it's different. Yep, it is. And how great that is that you do that, that you bring those memories to your children of the little ones that you've lost. Um, I can't imagine. Um, as I said, we had Mike for 45 years. We have a daughter who's in her early 50s. Um, I can't imagine that. I mean, I've had friends that have have lost children in utero, and it is it's an unbelievable feeling. Yeah, because that that little one that you're carrying, you love. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it doesn't it, take long to make a lifetime worth of dreams, and then you don't you don't get to live them out there and yeah. stuff. So correct, yeah, yeah. It's those feelings that need to be talked about, and I'm I'm very thankful for Grace what she's doing because it has it has helped me personally even to help other people about the foreign feeling. I would have never thought of that. We're very proud She's of She's a good one. I know she so is. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. We I was gonna ask you about directing funerals, and you kind of brought that up that you want to learn a lot about about who you guys are honoring and whose funeral it is and, and is it hard for you to talk about them when you don't know them or approach the family to ask about them i told grace last night i know this probably doesn't sound sounds strange but i love doing funerals i love um, picking scriptures that fit the individual that they've talked about. I love talking to them about maybe favorite songs they might have. I love talking about that person's life that I can bring in because it's all about honoring this person that has passed. There was only one instance that I had with a family that, that nobody could say anything good about this person. That was the hardest one I ever had to ever had to do but 
found a little couple of things to say. So it, it's it's really hard, but you get to know the family um, mm -hmm. and they're relying on you in this time of their grief, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I, it sounds probably strange, but it's a it's a wonderful a wonderful time, I guess, to to bring it all together and have them talk about their loved ones. And they'll have a lot of times they'll bring other family members in, which I always encourage. I said, "Oh, whoever you want, let's just sit down and what do you want told?" You know, it's so. And there's a lot of them that um, are not, you know, probably are not churched. You know, we live up in the northern area. Um, but it isn't that they don't believe in God. And I found that. Um, I guess I even found it when I worked my first job at the Ironworks. I thought, oh my gosh, nobody's talking about God. I don't even know if they're churched. They're, every instance an employee would come in and they may not have would not would not be going to church, but they believed in God. You know, so I have learned that it's important to go to church because you need that church family in, in instances like this. But, you know, you don't need to go to church to be a good person. Mm -hmm. You know, so. Right. That's good. Because you said um, they're awake. Because you said, uh, and for if this isn't cut out and someone's listening, I met my children. They just, but I have a blanket ready. They'll be right there. Um, uh, where was I? Oh, scripture is your favorite thing to pick out. Mm -hmm. Do you have like a most favorite one that you use for funerals? <laughs> um. One that I use a lot, I should look at, it's in the Old Testament, that there's a time for everything. Mm -hmm. yep. I use that. I would use that a lot, actually. Um, I did. I should have looked that up before I came here, but started. But I would use that one. There's a time for everything. You know, a time to cry, a time to laugh. Isn't that in Footloose? <laughs> I don't know. It's in the Old Testament. I think that one's I think it's in Ecclesiastes. Yeah. It's like there's a time to weep, there's a time to mourn. There's a yeah. Yeah. yeah that's in photos. Yeah. So it's a good one. Yeah. It is a good one. It, <laughs> it it's um because there is a time for all of that. Yeah. Right. Do you want to or are you able to talk about your first funeral that you did? I can. Um it was the first funeral I, and I just started pastoring in the church. There's two churches. There's <laughs> I have two, church, two small churches, and this gal was celebrating her 21st birthday, and <clears throat> she was with with a young man, and they came to a T intersection, and he didn't stop, and he went through, and she was killed in that accident. It just so happened I had worked at a nursing home also up here, and she worked for me. So this 21-year-old, I didn't have a clue how to, probably how to pastor or to, I knew what to say to the family and listen to the family, but I had this mother, um, mother and father, the father always had the son and the mother always had her daughter. That was the hardest thing in the world. She lost her daughter and she kept saying, 
he still has his son. I don't have my daughter. It was sad because it was sudden. It was, um, she had a fractured neck. Um, there was a lot of whys. So we had to work through that. Why? You know, well, God doesn't bring bad things into our lives. Life happens. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to go from there. Is it that he opens another door for us? Look at what you're doing here with this podcast that you're doing. They're wonderful. Grace sends them to me. Even I even <laughs> I was with my husband in the truck. And believe me, he isn't one to really listen to this sort of thing. But I play it. And he even thought, that's really good. You know, so I think you're doing a wonderful thing that you're doing here. Well, God, like you said, I don't want, I'm right along with you. I don't believe that he wants that hurt for us. None of that was planned. You know, and then we had the fall. Here we are. But he's, he works to make everything good. Yes. And that's why we're here for him. And he wanted good all along. Yeah. Um, so at church, are there resources that you provide to the families? Um, we do not have any in our church. They may have them in larger churches, but really mm. your funeral homes have a lot of resources mm. for you. And I don't know if, I don't even remember if there was any at weddings or. Mm. I try to blur that part out of my yeah. life. We have had a phenomenal um <laughs> funeral director when, when Mike passed and she was new to the area, but she really did an excellent job with the girls. The girls picked out Mike's casket. They picked out, they did a lot of the twins probably more. So I don't know if you were with them. I was more angry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I don't really remember. So she did a phenomenal job, but they, they picked out so much for their dad. You know, they had, they had it at another, at another step. And then we had some close friends that were there in case there was some difficulty, you know, that were there to, so they were all included. Kate was included with the funeral planning and um, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to go through, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, but there's resources at your funeral homes. They have a lot of resources for you. We do not in our small churches. Now, I do not know what they do in large churches. I'm sure there is multiple different things that they have for people to grab and different pamphlets they have. I remember in the church in Brilliant, there was a lot of different pamphlets on the wall to, to pick up if you were having um, difficulty in your life. You know, I think there was probably like 12 different areas that they covered to, to help you through that. Mm -hmm. And it I think it'd be fair to say that with resources um, to pick a few different ones because you might pick one and it might not feel like that's helping you because everybody processes differently because okay. I know I experienced that with helping people who um, other bereaved moms and stuff and I noticed it myself I might read a I read a book one day and was like that's not doing it for me and later on, I read it and I was like, well, I like it now and stuff. So it really is, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's okay if it doesn't feel right. There might be something else. Uh -huh. And maybe you just want to be angry and stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was a hard time. Grace and her dad were so very close. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of what she is today is 
because of how they re they interacted, you know, earlier. I remember I would go down um, twice. I would go down once a week and stay with the girls and get them off to school. And I said to her, I said to Mike when I said, well, Grace doesn't talk in the morning. She's not a morning person. Leave her alone. <laughs> mm -hmm. So he understood her a lot. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. it was we good. have experience with people who aren't morning people. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody listening, a little cough here or there. I have my two girls sitting next to me now to finish off the interview, which is good so they can hear you too and maybe they'll have a question but my my next question is what would you say to somebody that's not religious that was in your care would you be more careful about um bringing up god or is that even an issue because i don't you know it's not a bad thing for people to know what your beliefs are and stuff so how would you handle those or how do you handle those kind of situations when you're supporting somebody that may not be religious or is having hard feelings towards religion at the time mm -hmm. i get them to talk mm -hmm. you know and we go from there and some of them believe in a higher power you know it's mm -hmm. their, whatever their belief will take them through even though i my beliefs are different they're not all everybody's belief so mm -hmm. I get them to talk about their belief and, um, you know, where they're at and if there's anything that I can help them with and it's okay. You know, it, it, nothing is wrong. And I try to mm -hmm. get that to them that nothing is wrong, how they, what they believe. Mm -hmm. uh, just that I always try to, you know, have them just remember there is somebody out there for you all the time and is watching over you. And, um, and he knows everything. I mean, he knows, he knows the dirt on us, you know, it's, so he knows mm -hmm. the good, the bad and the ugly, I guess, of us. And um, so I get him to talk and that's, that's the biggest thing, because even though they may have believed maybe someday they'll come back and say, hmm, maybe she has something. Mm -hmm. so, Planting a little seed there. Yeah, right. Seeds grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. Well, do you have any other questions, Grace? Do you have any questions? I don't think so. <laughs> Is there anything? <laughs> oh, do you have one? Is my dad. No, she's fooling. <laughs> um, Is there any last minute or last things that you wanted to say before we finish up? Um, not really. I had written down some things. I am just very thankful for this because. Um... Thank you for listening to That Foreign Feeling. For more information on the Butterfly Path or this podcast, visit thatforeignfeeling.com.